Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so honored today because I have April with me. April is a storyteller and firm believer everyone has a story. She's a visibility and media specialist. And after more than 30 years as a journalist, producer, and writer, she now works with people and brands to help them tell their stories in a more authentic way. One of her favorite components of storytelling is being able to really piece things together like a puzzle and craft a compelling, emotional, and meaningful story that touches others. No matter what the business is, what the product is, what the service is, the heart of people is always what matters to April. Her passion created Light Beamers Community on Facebook to give women and men too a private and safe space to have an open and honest conversation about life business, personal growth, and spirituality. She also launched her podcast titled The Inside Story Podcast, where she takes you behind the curtain of the biggest success stories of entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and change makers, and the men and women who have walked through fire and come out on the other side brighter. Thank you so much for being here today, April. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you today. I know I'm so honored to have you and I would love for you to kind of just dive into your journey, how you got here today and what that's looked like. Well, um, I would imagine like anyone that probably sits in this chair and you ask that question too, it's, it's been a really crooked journey. Um, it's not been something I could say, oh, you know, this and then this and then that, but, um, the, the, the synthesized version of it (laughs) is, Um, I have always worked in the world of storytelling. So storytelling has been at the nucleus of everything that I've ever done and continues to be, um, you know, the, at the focus of everything that I do currently, my background and how I even got started on that is aside from having just a passion for storytelling as a kid, always loving to read stories, tell stories, write stories. That was me. Um, And then I figured out a way to make a living doing that in the early part of my career that looked like journalism, um, television broadcasting, television producing, uh, video producing. And that was the path that I was on for a very long time. I did that for about 25 years. And really my job was to do what you're doing right now. just was to sit in the interview chair and talk to people about their story and then listen for the pieces that I knew were there and start to pull them out Mm -hmm. and package them up and put them together and say, here you go, here's your story. So, um, and the latter part of my, the latter part of my previous career, if you will, before starting light beamers was really that I got hired by companies and brands and, 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 um, organizations. And of course did tons of uh, television and work as well. I got hired to do that, like go and put their story together, put the, we call them packages, like put the package together, right? Success stories, transformational stories were always the lane that I love to play in because what I know to be true about human stories is that we are all walking around with some really powerful stories of transformation and change because we, you know, nothing ever stays the same. And so we all have a lot of stories of transformation and change in our lives to tell a lot of times though, people don't realize or give credit to how powerful those stories actually can be when you share them publicly with other people. And so that really has led me into the work that I do today and forming my company light beamers and doing the work that I do helping men and women tell their story is no longer doing that work for them. I no longer sit. I do sit in the interview chair and help them, but I, give them the tools. I teach them about storytelling. I give them really my entire toolbox Mm -hmm. of what I've spent a career doing, Mm -hmm. teaching them how to do it for themselves. And it really empowers people Mm -hmm. to then incorporate more storytelling into their communication, into their marketing, into their business, into their 
social media into building the platform of their choice, whatever it is. Maybe it's just communicating in private conversation, but they really understand how to better communicate who they are, what they do, why it matters. And that it truly does have an impact. So at Lightbeamers, I have a tagline that says, when you share your story, you shine a light. And that's really what I know to be true about storytelling is that when one person goes and shares their story publicly with someone else, it can shine a light for that person. So it, it is our story, but it's not really about us. It's about sharing it with other people so that they can glean the wisdom, get the inspiration, learn something from that experience that you've had. Mm, I love this. And it, I think it's so important when it comes to storytelling too, because people can connect. It might not yes. be the full story, but like what you're saying, pulling the pieces where it does and shining light on those aspects and those feelings, because it's that emotion that really connects to people yeah. too. So they don't feel alone. And that's a huge part of why I love what you've created because it really helps other people lean into knowing that they have a community, they can build a community, especially with your Facebook group, mm-hmm. as well, your podcast. I know you've helped so many people in uh, like being authors as well. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, as, as we got going, um, things kind of became evident of the directions that we needed to take and the things that I needed to do to help people. And so we did, we started just with a community, right? I didn't, you know, really, to be honest with you, when I started light beamers, it wasn't a business, it was a passion project. It was an idea. And I didn't really know how I was going to monetize it, but I didn't have to figure that out right away. I was, I was, had my video producing career. I was making a living and I was good. So this allowed me and afforded me time to sort of figure it out, which was such a blessing, honestly. Um, You know, I know a lot of people want to start a business and start making money right away. And I'm a big fan of that. I, I definitely think that's a good thing to go do. But in this case, I knew that I wanted to just start with having a community because Really, that's what storytelling does for people. It helps build community. And I'm a big community person. Community is how I like to do anything in life. And so um, I kind of joke that community is my middle name. (laughs) It's not, by the way. But, um, you know, so I started with a community. I started with a Facebook group. I said, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to look like. But let's just start by getting people together in a private forum where I can teach them a little bit about storytelling and they can practice it, you know, and in order for them to practice it, they're probably not going to want that to be public. And so creating that private safe container was super important. And it still is to this day. And we're still doing that to this day. So the light beamers community has grown. We um, have been in existence now for seven years and a lot of people have come through those virtual walls and we have been able to help them and support them. And many of them have never become clients and that's okay. They still got what they needed. They learned a little bit about storytelling, they had a safe place to practice. And then, you know, hopefully they graduated on and went out and started sharing their story about, and I know that that happens because of course I follow them, I see what they're doing and it's really awesome. But a lot of times what happened was women would come into the community and they would get those tools and resources and they wanted more help. They still had more questions. They needed more direction. And at that point, that's when I'm like, oh, a business is born. And that business really started to grow. And it informed me based off what they were asking me. It had really informed me on the type of programming and the type of content and the type of type of coaching that I needed to do and what I could offer and provide. So we started out by building some courses and we, you know, enrolled people in courses and we started doing some group coaching programs, you know, started doing that. And as time went on, that has shaped up to really have a focus today on helping women share their story and gain visibility. Mm-hmm around um, stepping on stages and speaking and writing their story in books. And so we have moved into publishing uh, books and helping women write their story in collaborative books and also their own personal books, Mm -hmm. as well as learning to amplify their voice through 
you know, speaking, whether that's being a guest on a podcast like this or doing a workshop in your community or doing something online virtually, or, you know, getting booked to be a paid speaker. There's a lot of room that we can explore of what it looks like to be a speaker and share your story. So that's kind of where our focus is these days. Um, And through all of that, really, it helps me, you know, live out my mission, which is just to equip and empower more women to use their voice. And that's super important to me. So I think it's very important. And I really appreciate the fact that you said your middle name is like community. (laughs) It's not actually community, but it's that community piece over competition Mm -hmm. and really collaborating and being able to lean into one another. So you have this safe community that you can speak freely. Mm -hmm. And if you stumble over your words in the first time sharing the story, you have support. No one's going to be like saying anything negative, but really coming together and empowering one another. And I love that's what you stand for because that's so important important to me as well. And a lot of people listening too, because mm-hmm. it is about that. It is about seeing people light up and, ha- and that's why I love the name of it, light beamers mm-hmm. as well, because it really lends into that shining light, bright into their world and letting other people see that too. And the light that's surrounding them that might, they might've dimmed themselves or oh, aren't sure. ready, but you're able to really take them to that next level whether they're just in the Facebook group, but getting exactly what they need or doing the courses, being able to write a book or be a co-author, but being able to have this, I think is so important because a lot of people don't have that in their immediate circle sometimes. And have it. I didn't even have it. You know, I've been doing this work for a long time. Like I don't even have a place to go share my story, you know? And that was a big precipice of me wanting to start this was like, well, I want to do this work with other women. I want to have a place to share my story and I want to encourage them to share theirs. And, you know, that was me stepping out and being a leader of the movement and, you know, truth be told and in all transparency, I had to do a lot of that in the beginning. It took a while for women to come around to start joining me and sharing the stories. I mean, they were in the group, they were in the community, but they were not showing up and sharing their story. And so I just showed up religiously, you know, trying to find different ways to talk about my story and different things that were going on in my life. And then using that as a way to like open up the conversation or ask them probing questions or get them thinking about have they had a similar experience to what I'm sharing Mm -hmm. and doing that a lot. I had to do a lot of heavy lifting in the beginning to get that community up and running and getting women to do that. But what happened was when women started showing up and being brave and following me, not following me like on social media, but following my lead and showing up and sharing their story also, it happened faster, right? Because then more and more women would do it. So seeing one person is okay. But when you see the next person and then the next person and the next person do it. Eventually the person way back in the back of the room has no choice, but to move forward. And so we really do magnetize people into doing the work. Mm-hmm. However long it takes them is okay. Of course, I want to speed up that process as fast as possible for people, because I know what's waiting for them on the other side of all that fear, mm-hmm. but we're here for however long it takes women to come to share their story and really learn how to share the story from a place of power mm-hmm. instead of letting that story have power over them. Oh, that was powerful in itself just now. <laughs> and, you know, I love what you said too, about being able to, it's almost like giving other people permission mm-hmm. to do so when they start seeing other people step up to the plate of this is scary. This is uncomfortable, but I'm going to be brave and I'm yeah. going to share it. And the more we share it, the less power that story has over us. And we have that power. And that's what I'm hearing from you too, of what you've created. And you're right. It is heavy lifting in the beginning. So what were some of those roadblocks that happened while you were starting to build your community? And then, I mean, I know you didn't set out to make it a business, but it ended up being a business. Yeah. It ended up being a business. I'm no longer video producing. I've retired from that career. Um, and I do this full time now and it's been the biggest blessing of my life. It was unexpected. It wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but it's been better than what I could have imagined. And, you know, that I, I didn't create this by myself. I mean, this was created with divine inspiration and also just a lot of women, um, showing up for me and showing me, you know, 
what was possible. So, you know, some roadblocks, I mean, a really funny one in the beginning was, you know, I said I had to get in the community and start sharing my story. And, you know, the truth told, I stumbled with that. Um, I teach storytelling. I help other people tell their story. And I struggled sharing my story. And I realized it was, it was wonderful because I really can empathize with those of you out there that are like, I don't know how to tell my story. I get it. I really do get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the truth of it is, is I had spent my entire career uh, holding the mic up for other people, you know? Yeah. So I never had sat in my own interview chair and asked myself these questions to pull out my story so that I could share my story and do that in a way that was prolific and profound. Right. Yeah. So in the beginning it was messy. It was certainly messy. I just, I just had to practice what I knew I was doing with other people and kind of like turn the wand on me and practice it. Mm. And it, it informed me greatly about how to improve my own technique to help other people. Um, so that was a stumbling block and a really beautiful learning experience at the same time. You know, the other thing that I stumbled over was just the time that it took, you know, like I think we get sold a bill of goods in this world today that just like get a website, start a social media account and you can make a million dollars by tomorrow. And that just doesn't happen. You know, you have to be patient you have to be consistent. It, this would have never worked if I had not been showing up literally online pretty much every day for the most part for the last seven years. I mean, that's what it's taken. And I'm still like, there's still so much roadway in front of me. Like there's so much room for growth in my own journey. Like I'm not there yet. You know what I'm saying? So understanding that I just had to be patient. Mm -hmm. I had to continue to listen to my intuitive divine guidance and just like not get distracted by a lot of shiny objects that are out there. And I have fallen prey to that, but, you know, try to get back on course as quickly as possible, but staying consistent. I mean, patience and consistency are not to be, uh, underrated. And we should talk about this more because I think that people want to go build businesses and have an impact and make a lot of money. And all those things are great. I want to do all that too. Uh, And we have to understand that we can't give up on ourselves. You can't give up on your dream and your vision just because it doesn't happen in the first three weeks or the first three months or heck, even the first three years. Mm -hmm. I was just starting to get traction by year three. I mean, just starting. Yeah. You know, and so had I given up after a year, you and I would not be sitting here today, you know, and more importantly, the number of people that I've been able to serve and help would be greatly less. And so patience and consistency were something that I really had to lean into and I still lean into it. And I preach it now because, um, it's a stumbling block for a lot of people. It's a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. And I wouldn't say that I stumbled over it, but it definitely was frustrating at times. Like, ah, when, oh, come on, I'm ready already. Right. Yes. (laughs) But I, I know that, you know, I can sit here today, seven years later and with a pretty healthy business that I'm super proud of and having, you know, great impact in the world. And I'm aware of that. I know none of that is lost on me and I'm grateful for all of it, but it's not about me. It is really about women coming to do this work with me because I would, it doesn't work unless someone comes in and says, yes, I'm ready to share my story. I just had to be patient and consistent with my message. Mm. You know, those are two very important aspects of business and of life. Yes. <laughs> but you <laughs> know, I, everything, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm super guilty. When I first started my business, just a quick story. I literally, it was like, okay, in six months, I'll be making six figures. I'll be good. Like I'll move to the city I wanted to. None of that happened. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it was like four years later that I was able to move, but it's so true with that patience and consistency because it's showing up and people are watching too of like, okay, is this like when I've seen it and talked to other clients as well of, oh, um, 
I haven't seen this or the person showing up every single day or every week, day in, day out, and doing the diligence of being able to move their business forward. And I love that you really were so transparent of it wasn't until year three that things were starting to pick up because it, it does take time. But if you stay with it and you believe in it and you're aligned with it, because that's something that you're so passionate about and you can see it as you speak about it. But I think that's the difference too. We could be doing something that maybe isn't right for us and we're putting in this time and energy, but when that heart is aligned in the mind and being able to know you are making a difference and how many people you've personally helped and like what you were saying, it's not about you, it's about them, but it's what you're bringing to the table of really allowing other people to share their stories, feel confident Mm -hmm. in sharing their stories. I think that's what it's about because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have something we've gone through, but you're able to, again, and I'm probably saying a million more times, but shine Mm -hmm. the light on them so they can shine for others and others can start to shine too, because there's enough for all of us. Yeah. And you, you hit on something that I want to highlight again, Mm -hmm. is that part about really being passionate and aligned in what you're doing. Um, By no means am I suggesting stick with it and stay consistent and be patient. If you're just feeling like, I don't really know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, don't do that. Right. Don't Mm -hmm. be a dead horse. As we say in Texas, where I'm from, Um, don't do that. I never had those thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. I always knew this was my path. I mean, again, you know, I've been doing storytelling a long time and this was, this was just the next level for me, the next iteration of my career, the next iteration of my work in the world. And I was very clear about that. And I knew it, I knew that much. And I was, I had strong conviction and that helped for sure. And so, yeah, there were times when days were frustrating and maybe, you know, I wasn't sure about this or that. And I would ask myself, well, is quitting an option? And the answer was always no. Well, no, 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 because not doing this work is not an option for me. Yeah. You know, maybe I have to tweak some things here and there, and I'm willing to look at that. I got some great coaching myself and I still (laughs) do. I hire, you know, coaches all the time. And, 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 and the more I grow, the more expensive my coaches get. I don't know what that is, but, uh, (laughs) but I'm willing to invest in looking at the shadows that I'm not able to see. I'm willing to invest to look at the, the trees that I can't see through my own forest. And there's plenty of that in, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, I always knew I was in the right forest. I always knew that I was doing the right thing, that I was on the right path and that quitting was not an option. So that did help me stay patient and consistent. Mm-hmm. I have a an exercise that I like to give people mm-hmm. and I'll share it because yeah. I think it's, it's uh, really relevant to what I'm saying is I talk about this as like a flashlight. So of course I have all these light analogies, but you know, to me, this is how I think of it. And this is how I literally get up every day out of bed and like, well, this is, I got to get up, you know, I got to get up and get going because this is what we're doing today. And if you think about a flashlight, Mm -hmm. I wish I had one, you know, I'm just going to use my arm. Here's a flashlight, (laughs) but the bottom of the flashlight is the shaft and the top part, right. Is the light that shines out. Well, the bottom of the shaft is where you will insert the batteries and then you have the shaft and then you have the light. Well, the, I call this the flashlight exercise. You need to build your flashlight in order to really do the things of staying consistent and being patient. You need to understand what is your flashlight and you need to build your flashlight. The batteries that go in at the bottom of your flashlight are your personal why. If you don't know why you're doing this and why it matters to you, and maybe it is because you want to make a million dollars so you can send your kids to college, you can live in your dream town and your dream city, you can live the life that feels very abundant and spacious and glorious to you. There is nothing wrong with that. And if that is your why, that can be your why. You don't, it doesn't have to be about saving the world. It doesn't have to be about impacting millions. Those are great too. And maybe your why is maybe a little bit of a mixture of both. So a lot of times I say, you might even want to make it a, you have two whys, your personal why Mm -hmm. and your business why, like the impact why. Mm -hmm. And so build your why, know your why that those are your batteries. So you, you know, if you have a flashlight that takes two AA batteries, 
One battery is that personal why, and the other battery is your business why or your mission why or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. When you go up the shaft of that of that flashlight, really, once you have your why in place, the shaft is really two things. It's your how and your what. So the what is like, well, what do you want people to know? Like, what's your message, right? What do you want to try to help them with? Mm-hmm. And then how are you going to do it? Are you going to build a product? Are you going to offer services? What are those services? In the beginning, all I knew was a community. I don't know how other than I can build a community. That's all I knew. My how has changed and grown as I've, as that energy kept coming from that battery source, Mm -hmm. right? I was able to build more of the how, but in the beginning, I knew the how was going to be a community. And I knew that what was like, get other women to share their story and empower them to go do it without me having to put it together for them. That's all I knew. And then once you have those things in place, Mm -hmm. guess what? Your light can shine, right? And the light that is shining out is a very important piece, which is the who. And I always say the number one rule of storytelling is know who is your audience. Who are you talking to? Who are you trying to impact? Who can come into the how with you? Who is that message for? And I promise you, it's not uncle Jerry and aunt Tina or your mother, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get stumbled up around the consistency of showing up and putting their stuff out into the world Mm -hmm. because they're so worried about what someone else is going to think. Usually the someone else that you're worried about what they're thinking is not part of your who they're not who you're shining your light for. So you got to get over it. You've got to get over that over, stop thinking about them and start thinking about your flashlight. Start putting your mind and your eyes on who you are talking to. Turn that flashlight on. When you turn that flashlight on, I turn mine on every day, every day, get out of bed, time to turn the flashlight on, right? And now I know I can get up. I can do this stuff. I can get on these podcast recordings. I can get into my community and do Facebook lives, like fall my face off, you know, do them so much. I can get on here and be very passionate about what I do because I'm so locked in to what I'm doing. And I'm sure there's people out there talking about me or like, what the heck she thinks she, I don't care. Right. I don't, I'm not shining my light for them. They're going to have to find somebody else that's going to shine a light for them in a different flashlight, but they're not part of mine. Mm. What an amazing example of just really like the personal and the business and like being able to really build it from the ground up essentially. And that's what the flashlight does. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, but I love how you put it with just the simplest things of, okay, it's going to be community because a lot of people are like, okay, what, what do I need to do to get there? There's so many, like um, the wheels are turning like crazy, but when we keep it simplified of what Mm -hmm. is the mission, what is the goal at the end of the time, like we always don't know that because the path shifts very quickly sometimes. And just like even for light beamers and originally how it started and how it's grown and just even your previous career too, of all the things that you have accomplished, you didn't know what was going to happen because I mean, we're not, I don't know, psychic. I don't have the crystal <laughs> <As> well, ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be wonderful. I, I know yeah. some, but but being able to know, okay, this is what I want to do. I don't know what that looks like, but building the community that you have built is really just going a testament to keeping it simple. This is what I want to do. And then each step you grow a little bit more investing in yourself each time, getting coaches, being able to have people helping you along that journey, because we don't do it alone. Uh -uh. But I know so many people have invested in your, um, what you do as well, but I would love for you to share maybe one or two client success stories with us. If you had to choose, I know Mm. you have a lot. (laughs) Gosh, I do have a lot, which is really just kind of thinking about that for a second. Like I do have a lot of success stories and it's wonderful that I could just, you know, I could tell you Tony's story. I could tell you Debbie's story. I could tell you, you know, uh, let me think of some Sandra's story. I could tell you so many women's stories that I can think of. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm going to start with a Tony. She's just coming to mind right now. She was somebody, and this was very early on and, you know, like many years ago, mm-hmm. um, Tony is a police officer, female police officer from New Jersey. She's been in the police officer field. She's been, a, uh, she's actually climbed the ranks and made Sergeant first female Sergeant in her unit, um, in New Jersey. And she's been a police officer, I believe for almost 25 years now. And in the beginning, when I first met Tony, she was very scared 
to share her story, be public and visible online, using social media, getting on video. She was very scared of all of those things because she's a police officer. And that's really not what police officers are out there doing. If you think about it, if you look at your own, you know, community circle community, you may know a police officer and I will gather to bet that that police officer is not on social media and not sharing their story. And Tony was, she saw something in that and she had a deep desire to reach people because she has a different voice because she is a woman in a very male dominated field. And she saw, including herself, she had so many stories, including her own of um, some really devastating things that police officers navigate. And she had gone on a healing journey for herself and started incorporating tools that allowed her to process some of the really negative and dramatic and traumatic experiences that they see on a daily basis. And what happens is she started talking about statistically what happens with police officers when trauma goes undiagnosed and untreated. Because every single day, police officers are encountering and suffering from trauma. So you have very high um, alcohol consumption and drug consumption rate in police officers. You have very high abuse rates inside marriages of police officers. You have very high unhealthy statistics in terms of police officers gaining a lot of weight and not being healthy, smoking. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. And all of that stuff just leads to bad stuff, right? Like it's not good that we have a bunch of police officers walking, you know, the streets with all of this anger. And that's why, of course, we have police beatings and things that really show up in the news. So Tony had a really good reason why to show up and start telling her story because she knew she wanted to be a solution. She wanted to be part of that solution. And she's done a very brave thing by doing that. She's gone and gotten certified and, you know, learning about essential oils, learning about different therapies. Um, She's now working on her doctorate of psychology so that she can continue to use her voice to be a voice of change and to teach other first responders, police officers, emergency personnel, how to navigate being a police officer. Mm -hmm. And so she has been the first to um, create one of her, her department in New Jersey was the first to install, oh gosh, what does she call it? Um, It's like a a response room, not like an emergency. Oh, like a crisis center or like a crisis room, but it's just, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't think of it. Tony, you're going to watch this. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to be mad at myself that I can't remember the name, but it's like a room, a resiliency room, a resiliency room. Mm -hmm. So she went to her police chief, chief of police and said, we need to have a place for officers to go to decompress after an incident happens. Previously, what had to happen was when an incident happened, like let's say an officer was involved in a police shooting, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that has to happen. They have to go into this office and everybody in the department can see that officer go into that office. She knew that that was that most officers are not going to raise their hand and say, Hey, I need, a, I need to talk this out with somebody. I need a moment. I need to catch my breath. I need to have, I'd like to talk to a counselor because what I just saw, I, I can't process. And they were not doing that because if they raised their hand and went in that room, then guess what would come out when they came out of the room, like all this ribbing and joking and giving them a hard time. Again, a male dominated industry. Right. She created a room where um, this could take place in privacy and no one would ever know they were in there. This went on to be recognized by the state attorney general of New Jersey, and she's off to the races. And like, I just think of Tony's story and think about how many lives she is changing because she was brave to start sharing her story first. And she got visible online using social media, using all the digital tools that we have to do it. I mean, it's amazing. Talk about shining her light and having her flashlight in place. It's about the change makers. And, you know, I mean, being a former therapist in psychology, I think it's so important that people are able to talk about things they've experienced, especially in a safe place. But her story, how much it is impacting people, especially in the field, 
in police field, I guess, I don't know. (laughs) But being able to have a place to talk because there is a huge stigma and there are a lot of factors that happen in that regard, but being able to understand too, that it's okay to be vulnerable and talk about it. So it doesn't have a ripple effect in a negative way. Like what you're talking about, the drinking abuse, other factors that can play a part, not for everybody, but it can play a part and being able to rectify that and have a place to decompress. And I love the idea of the resilience room and having it in a place where you're not going to be judged for going in there. And her story is going to have a ripple effect and people watching now, it's going to have a ripple effect. So thank you, Tony. <laughs> and thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and I think back to when she first came into our community, she was nervous about getting on video. One of the yeah. big things that I teach is live streaming, getting on video, using social media to your advantage to help, you know, get your message out. Um, It's a very huge way you can shine your flashlight for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, at the very, like this goes back to one of our early day courses. You know, I led a course called 21 days, 21 ways, and it was uh, getting them comfortable using live streaming and getting on video. And Tony went through that course and she was not using video. She didn't know how to live stream. She didn't know how to do any of that. And that girl today, she is live on social media five to six days a week because she does, she has turned on her flashlight and she's not turning it off. You know, I'm so proud of her. It's really, really remarkable what she's done. And it's small, like it's big impact, but like what she's doing is, is, it's, it's not like she's changing the world, although it has the capability of doing that, Mm -hmm. but she understood, like, I just got to start with my department, you know? And, and she understood that. And so it's grown to like other departments in New Jersey. And now other states are starting to look at that resiliency room and modeling it and things like that. It is growing, but she didn't have to have massive success or she wasn't even trying to make money from this. I mean, she has her career as a police officer. Mm -hmm. Um, She is starting to monetize some of that now, which is good, but you know, it just started small and it can stay small. It doesn't ever have to be something that you grow to be this giant thing. Mm-hmm. Not everybody desires that and that's okay. But just knowing that just really understanding your story can make an impact, even if it's with one other person is enough, right? It, it's mm-hmm. enough. Oh, absolutely. I'm getting chills. <laughs> I just, I feel so, it's so important to be able to share the stories, but also it goes back to even impacting just one person because that's one more person that you've impacted that can see their potential, see that they're not alone, see that there is room for growth and you can change any path you're on. It doesn't have to stay stagnant or where you're at. There is always an opportunity. It doesn't matter if it's one person or the world or anything in between. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I'm thinking of another one I'll share really quick, um, a story of Becky. So I'm, I know you're familiar with our book, Elevate Your Voice, because you had one of our other authors on your show, Stephanie Talia. And, um, so we wrote a collaborative book this past year, and that's part of the, you know, one of the programs that I offered. And, um, the idea of the collaborative book was getting women together to write their story in one chapter. And so collectively we would build a book together and that's what we did. And we had, um, 14 women in that first book, 13 plus me. (laughs) And one of them was Becky and Becky was someone who I'd already been working with already was a client of mine. And she had told me on multiple occasions, you know, I just really have a desire of writing a book one day. I really want to write a book one day. And how many people out there have had that same thought? Like, oh, it'd be so cool to write a book one day. Like, I want to write a book one day. And that's about as far as it goes, because then the next thought is, but I don't know how. Mm -hmm. And that seems so overwhelming. And I don't know where to start. And how do I get it published and all those things. And so that actually was one of the programs that we built because we wanted to answer all those questions. And so we wanted to make that, make those excuses go away. Mm-hmm. By showing people, showing women and walking them through start to finish writing, you know, editing and publishing and launching a book. Well, Becky did that with us. I went to Becky when I knew that we were going to do this first book. And I'm like, okay, Becky, you <laughs> always said you wanted to write a book. What if you share your story in this book? And she did. She said yes to that. And she has a really amazing story. 
um, that she didn't really know what to do with when I first met yeah. her. She, at the time, I want to say she was around 60 years old, 61, mm -hmm. and she had been married for over 40 years. And in the span of just a year or two, very short amount of time, her husband left her after 41 years of married marriage, wow. her mother and father died, um, in different, I think her mother and father died. Her parents <laughs> lost both parents. Yeah. Um, and she lost her job. She works in ministry and she worked for a church and she was doing really great work. And then things got restructured at church and she had to lose that title and go into a different job at the church. But she was tied to all of those identities. You know, well, who am I? Her children grew up and left the house. She was an empty nester. So she started asking these questions. Who am I if I'm not a daughter? you know, suddenly she was an orphan. That's how she described it because her parents were dead. Mm -hmm. um, who am I if I'm not a wife? My husband left me. I'm no longer married. Who am I if I'm not a mom? My children are grown. They don't need me anymore. They're having their own families. Who am I if I'm not this director of such and such at this church? Mm. You know, who am I? And she, as she describes it, she had this full-blown identity crisis. And the thing that's so relatable about Becky's story is that we don't have to be 60. Like sometimes that happens in our twenties. I know when in the very beginning of my career, I was a television journalist and I made a decision after about five or six years of being in that industry that I was going to leave that work because it was not me shining a light. And, um, and I struggled with like, well, who am I, if I'm not a journalist, who am I, if I'm not on television, mm -hmm. which, you know, now I look back on that, like, it's so ridiculous, but that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. I really didn't know like, well, who am I if I'm not these things that I, other people say that I'm are, that I am, that I'm not this title or pronoun. Right. Yeah. So I was so relatable and she didn't know what to do with that story. And I was like, Becky, like, this is a place for you to share that story. And so that's the story she wrote and elevate your voice. And it was all about how she went through this massive transformation and now where she is today, which is absolutely um in a completely different place she went on quite an adventure for being in her 60s and doing some really remarkable things mm -hmm. and now as a result she is now we published that book she wrote her one chapter she got a taste of what it was like to be an author and she is fulfilling her dream she currently is writing her book her solo mm -hmm. author book that will be published at the end of this year and that is because she said yes to her story. Mm, I love it. It's so inspiring when people just actually take action and believe in themselves of what they're doing. And regardless of outside factors or feeling like their story doesn't matter when it, in reality, it absolutely does. And it's so relatable. So many people can relate to both stories, yes. both, of them, both incredible women that you've encountered and have been a part of Elevate Your Voice and now making that such an impact in their world, but also everyone around them too. I love that. And I would love to know if looking back at your journey as an entrepreneur, what are maybe two or three things you wish you would have known that you know now? Mm -hmm. I get asked this question a lot. My answer <laughs> yeah. is always the same is I <laughs> wish I would have hired help sooner. I have a team that helps me. Um, and I started hiring virtual assistants who soon became more than virtual assistants to me. And they're time with me now, but I remember the first virtual assistant that I brought on, um, mm -hmm. Diane, who's still with me today, I, when she arrived and I finally said yes to investing in my business that way. And I was so scared to do it because I thought it's such a hot mess over here. Like everything in my business is in my head. Mm -hmm. I didn't have systems and processes in place. I mm -hmm. didn't have things documented. I was flying by the seat of my pants every single day and just getting it out there. I mean, I literally was creating content in real time and pushing it live, which is not something I advise, but that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And um, really getting someone in the business with me that could mm -hmm. help start to do those things helped me ground down more into what I'm doing. And I'm able to be a much better content producer now and definitely much better at helping my clients because I'm not so scatterbrained. You know, I'm not just like crazy all the time because I have help. 
So I know this feels very counterintuitive to young business owners when they're just starting out. Maybe they're hanging on to a full-time job while they're trying to build their dreams and build their new business. Um, it, it, you have to start before you're ready. And I definitely did not feel like I could afford um, hiring help. But the minute I hired help, more business came in because I had capacity and it definitely paid for itself right away. So much so that I quickly hired more and then eventually made them full-time in my business. So I would definitely just, I know if there's people that just feel like they're wearing all the hats and doing all the things and they feel like they're drowning, get help, get help. I mean, eat beans and rice if you have to, so that you can afford to get help. It will be a very short-term uh, diet plan for you. I promise uh, you will get through it and you will, you will be able to grow and scale your business once you get help. Oh, so well said. I think a lot of people have the fear of getting help because it's their baby and they, yes, they can't like, let go. <laughs> yeah. But being able to let go, I think is really important. I know I struggled with that when I first started years ago of just getting help because it, it's hard. It's hard to delegate, but when we do yeah. the results show for themselves as long as we're aligned and it's just being able to hire help really helps grow the business. That's and a lot of times they do things better than I can do it. You know, like, oh, that's a good idea. I would have never thought of that, you know, or, yeah. and now like I have a, one of my assistants, Christine, she um, does a lot of, helps me with a lot of my communication. She writes a lot of copy for us. And there are times when I'm like, did I write that or Christine? Like, I don't even know. Like, you know, it's so good. And so it, it's, it's really amazing. If you give a, someone else an opportunity to shine, they'll blow you away. You know, they really will. I believe that wholeheartedly, <laughs> but I've been so enjoying this conversation, April, but we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions. If you're ready. Okay. For okay. <laughs> the first question is who is your hero? Well, there's so many ways I could answer this. Do you want me to answer it from like a business standpoint um, or personal standpoint? I'm going to leave it up to you. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to, this is probably so what everyone says, or a lot of people would say, but you know, my hero for me personally, and I'm someone that I give a lot of credit to for giving me the gumption to do a lot of things that I've done and be, um, so pro women, the way that I am and to be independent and to be a free thinker is my mom. My mom, I was just raised by a wonderful, um, outside the box thinker did not conform to a lot of rules. She did not subscribe to what society said she needed to be or who she was. And, she really kind of beats her own drum in a lot of ways. And sometimes as a child, when you have a mom that kind of beats to their own drum, it's, it can be, I don't know, not what you want it to be, but I, somehow I always saw through that. And I saw someone and she always would tell me like, you can be whatever you want to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to conform to rules either. And you, you know, like we, if I was struggling with a question about something, she never gave me the answer. She challenged me to be a three, free thinker. And she would say, well, what do you think? Yeah. And these are things that I now find myself doing with my own children. You know, they'll ask me and I'm like, well, what do you think? You know, instead of me just feeding the answers to them. And that has served me really, really well. And I'm very, very grateful that I had her as a role model growing up. Well, she sounds like a phenomenal woman and raised one as well. <laughs> and what motivates you to work smarter? Well, I don't want to work hard. <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I, mean, I just, I kind of want to have it all and not have to be a slave to my computer. And so that motivates me greatly to work hard, uh, smarter, not harder, and to be very efficient. And so again, going back to my team example, you know, we now have operating procedures in place. We now have SOPs. We now have systems and processes and I have freedom. I, I, I can go take my kids to get ice cream in the middle of the day, or I can go have lunch with a girlfriend. And those are important things because to have to, I think to be an entrepreneur and own your own business, most of the reasons why most of us do this is because we greatly desire freedom and freedom is my top core value. Um, 
I live by desiring freedom in every aspect of my life. And I want freedom to go and enjoy other things that I love doing. Like I love spending time with other people. I want to go visit my mom. I want to explore and travel. And I don't want to do that if I'm having to work all the time. You know, I can't do that if I'm having to work all the time. So that motivates me (laughs) definitely to, to work smarter and, um, and I like hire those coaches so that I can see where I can work smarter because I can't always figure it out by myself. <laughs> that is true. I, I love how you put it. And what, if you were to be a superhero, what would be your power or powers? Uh, if I were to be a superhero, what would be my power? Oh gosh, that's like really good. If I, I don't know if there is a superhero that has this power, so let's make one up, but I would love to just be able to heal people's hearts. I would love to be like point my laser and like zap it inside and just like get that part that needs to be sutured so that that person can go then do their work in the world. That, you know, I think a lot of times trauma well, I don't think, I know I've interviewed so many people. I've heard so many stories. Mm -hmm. Trauma is big and people that go with unaddressed trauma Mm -hmm. stay stuck. And I wish I could just shorten that process for them. I wish I could point that laser and get that trauma healed so that they could go and, and do their work in the world and have the impact that they're here to make and tell their story about it. Mm. That's a beautiful one. And I wish I could give that power to you. <laughs> I know it's a good one. We need a superhero for that. <laughs> well, we have you, <laughs> you're helping them by telling their story. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you were to share a meal with any individuals living or dead, four of them, who would they be? Four. Okay. Um, living or dead. If I were to share a meal, I would say, okay, one of them is Steve Hartman and Steve Hartman. Do you know who he is? Mm -hmm. You do. Okay. So for everyone watching, Steve Hartman is a CBS news reporter who is an amazing storyteller. When I started out my career, I was working for CBS news for some of the affiliates around the Mm -hmm. country. And Steve Hartman was just beginning to come on the scene and he greatly influenced me in terms of the style of storytelling I wanted to tell. If you don't know who Steve Hartman is, please go watch his stories and you will see why I'm madly in love with him. And I, I share this on anytime people ask me, cause I'm like, one day I'm going to get connected with him and I'm going to be able to interview him and have him on my podcast. So I'm manifesting that, putting that out there. If anybody knows a connection to Steve Hartman, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I didn't have a connection even at CBS news because that, you know, he, we were on different playing fields, but Anyway, he would be one. I would love to talk to him and share with him what an impact he made on me as a very young journalist. I would say Oprah would be another one. She had a huge influence on me also during that time period because of how I saw her interview people and get people's story. I mean, she's master at what she does and get people's story out of them as well as telling her own story. I felt Oprah was a really great role model of sharing her own story along the way. Uh, She's told it so beautifully, um, and vulnerably. I greatly admire that. And obviously what she's done for women has just been transformational in the work that she does in the world and being a minority doing it. I'm just, all of it's so good. Um, another one would be Jesus, somebody who's not with us anymore. Cause let me tell you, I have so many questions for Jesus. Like there are just a lot of things that don't make sense to me that I want the answers to, and I'd like to have them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and a fourth one, you know, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to say my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, my grandmother, she was, um, somebody that I just love and adored. And I'd love to have another conversation with her. What a powerful table of just really inspiring individuals that can really just lend just more insight, but being able to ask them the questions and people that are so dear to your heart too, it sounds like as well. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Those are good questions. Those are fun. (laughs) What is the most daring thing you've ever done? (laughs) I'm not someone that jumps out of planes. I (laughs) haven't done anything super adventurous, um, like that. Um, 
I have signed up for some crazy stuff. You know, there was a period in my life where I was working out with this boot camp group and we were a very, very close group of people. And we signed up to do some really crazy things. And so those were pretty daring. We did a 200 mile relay race oh. from across South Carolina one year. Um, I signed up to do a 50 mile race, which I mean, like, I'm not, this is not, we're just like middle-aged, not super fit people signing up for these things. You know, like I'm not an ultra marathoner or anything like that. So those are pretty daring when you sign up to be, to do these things. Um, you know, some crazy, crazy stuff like that physically, I would say, um, more, esoterically, I would say, I think the dare, the most daring thing that I've done is, is to go out on my own and start my own business. I mean, it's really been Mm -hmm. the hardest thing I've ever done. And also the most exhilarating thing I've ever done. And being a woman business owner is freaking daring and Mm -hmm. we need more women doing it. So yes, that is your call women. (laughs) Um, Yes. What is the phone app that you use the most? (laughs) Probably social media. And I hate to admit that because I know that's like not healthy, but you know, I run my business on social media. I make no apologies for it. I connect with people on social media. Mm -hmm. I feel like I try to use social media in a good, positive way. I don't scroll and just aimlessly, I mean, occasionally I will, but Mm -hmm. I really try to be very intentional about my time on social media, but Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm sure if you pulled up the data usage, it would tell a story and I'm quite sure it's one of the social media apps, probably Facebook. I, I believe it. And it's good for business, but also connecting. Yeah. And so what is the last book that you've read or listened to? Oh, I am reading. I'm, I haven't finished it, but <laughs> there's a fantastic book that has been around for a long, long time that I just read or am reading. And I've been telling everyone about it, especially mm-hmm. business owners and leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's called Jesus CEO. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, because I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. I don't have the name of the author, but it's a female author. And it's been around for like 30, 25, 30 years. It's a, mm-hmm. or maybe not that long, but a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a religious book, but mm-hmm. it is, it does take the life and leadership of Mm -hmm. Jesus and what Jesus stood for and translates that into leadership principles that we can all use today. So even if you're not a business owner, like leadership in general, I think we all can expand our leadership capability. And it's a beautiful correlation to looking back to 2000 years ago to a man who walked the earth and how he led and use those principles today to guide us. And I'm a faith-based person, so I love the work of Jesus anyway. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, you, you it's not your wheelhouse. I would still encourage you to read it because there's so many good things about it mm-hmm. that um, I've taken away while reading it. And the chapters are super short, very actionable, and it's just brilliantly done. One of my favorite books that I've stumbled across lately. I actually just recently heard about that as well. So I now second person. You have me. to go read it. <laughs> I you have need to it. read it. Yes, please. Everyone it. go read that book. I, <laughs> I also, I'm going to try. I don't know. I don't know anything about this author, but I'm going to try and get a hold of her and see if she will do an interview with me on the Inside Story podcast because I'm just fascinated by that work. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you because um, go, if you get the book, I think I have it memorized. Go to page 190 because I've been telling everybody that. Mm. Start with that chapter, which is Jesus empowered women. So there you go. Start there. Yeah. I'm like, mic drop. (laughs) That chapter, that page. Um, So if you were to have a movie about your life thus far, who would play you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Who would play me? I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to say Reese Witherspoon because she's like, a, yeah, I'm a Southern girl and Ooh. Reese is Southern. She's blonde. I'm blonde. Um, I think she's a very commanding, powerful woman. She has a all female led production company, which I greatly admire. So yeah, I'll pick her. She's a great choice. <laughs> um, so if you had a look at just your family recipes, do you have a favorite family recipe that you make together or that's traditional that you do with your family? 
We have a family recipe that's been passed down. That's a chicken and spaghetti that my kids love. That's been passed down from my grandmother and we all make it. My sister makes it. My mom makes it. I make it. We all make it in the family. We love it. Um, so that's a really, really good one. That's been passed down. There are some things that we make inside our family today that are new recipes that we have fallen in love with. Um, we have, we have off and on been vegetarians in our Mm -hmm. house. And so we, uh, there's one for lentil tacos that we really, really like. Mm. And every, it's a crowd pleaser. Everyone likes it, including my kids. And, um, that, you know, that can be the tough, tough cookies to crack sometimes, but lentil tacos is one. We have another favorite meal that we make together. That is, um, we just poke bowls, you know, just like mm-hmm. some tuna poke bowls and everyone loves those. So those are a few that we li- love to make over and over again. The lentil tacos. That sounds really I'll good. I'll send you the recipe. Yes, please. I am vegetarian. They're too. really good. Are you vegetarian? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you would love them. Yeah. You would love them. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love when we get to share those. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to send you a, a cookbook off, off air. I'll tell you more about it, but yeah. Yes, please. Um, so what is your favorite way to spend a day off? If you're not empowering all the women you get to empower. <laughs> you know, we recently moved um, into this house that I'm sitting in now and we are, in, I'm in South Texas and it's always hot here. And we are three quarters of a mile from a beautiful river that we have access to. It's not on our property, but I can walk to it. And so a perfect day for us now is just enjoying this property that we purchased and walking down the street, hopping on the river, floating, getting in the water, swimming, sitting in the sunshine. I love to be out in the sun. I love to just, you know, get that good vitamin D and do nothing. You like talk, mm-hmm. have, have friends over, hang out. Like hospitality is in my love language. And I love to just have people over and share what we have. And so that's my favorite thing. Oh, it sounds beautiful. The sun does wonders. And so what's something an outsider wouldn't know about your industry? Ooh, um, well, I'm going to go back to, cause I don't know that what I do <laughs> now is part of any industry. I think it's like, I don't know know what category I fall (laughs) under, but I guess coaching industry, which I don't really identify with. I think a lot of people see me as a story coach and I am that, but I don't, I just don't identify myself as being in the coaching industry, even though I do know that's what I'm doing, but I always will identify as a storyteller journalist. So I'm going to go with that industry. Yeah. Um, I think that people don't realize how non-glamorous it is. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. see the work of a journalist or a television producer or any of those types of things, uh, you know, and think that they've got it made and that it's just so easy and that we have like an entourage walking around helping us do all this. And it's really a lot of grunt work. It's really, it's not easy. Um, you know, storytelling in general is not easy because you take on all these stories with you. I mean, I, I'm an empath and it's really, it helps me do my job extraordinarily well. And it also is one, uh, it's like an albatross. I mean, it is very hard sometimes to leave those stories behind and, behind the scenes, what people don't see is just some days I'm just crying all day and I can't shake it. You know, I just can't shake certain stories or I feel the weight of it all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can't breathe, you know? Um, so there's a lot of that that goes on. And I think people think it's just glamorous and easy and fun. And it's, it's, there's a lot of heaviness behind it all. And, you know, I've had to get good help over the years to figure out how to release some of those emotions. Um, and just how to navigate those waters. So I, I think that's probably something that people would maybe not think most, you know, wouldn't be at the forefront of what they would think about when they think about this industry. No, I think that shines or sheds a lot of light on that as well, because I do think people don't realize the impact of a story. I know, yeah. like, especially in the therapy world, there's a lot of heaviness, but yeah. in the journalist aspect and just being able to tell the story when you were hearing that story, you can really take it on. But having the tools to not fully take it on um, and being able to shed it once it, it's been told because that can be 
too much to hold. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is a lot to hold. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But April, I where can people find you, hire you, use your services? We'll link everything below. But if you could let us know too. Well, I'm really easy to find because it's light beamers everywhere. You know, L-I-G-H-T-B-E-A-M-E-R-S, light beamers. Um, I'm on Instagram at light beamers. I'm on Facebook at light beamers. Our community on Facebook is the light beamers community. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at light beamers. So those are my three main channels that I love to play in. Of course, we have our podcast, the inside story podcast, um, I would say really the best place to start. There's two places you could go to lightbeamers.com and there's a really great free resource around how to get started telling your own story or understanding the key components of your story. Mm -hmm. It's a resource guide that you can download for free and then get into our community, get into the lightbeamers community, come hang out with us for free, try some of our story prompts, practice your storytelling skills, and then just see where that might take you. I love it. Well, thank you so much, April, for just being so vulnerable, transparent, all the amazing stories that you shared with us today. It's no wonder you're a storyteller, but thank you for your time and your energy today. I know I so appreciate it. I'm sure everyone listening does as well. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from April today? I'm sure she would love to see that comment. And I'm sure she would love to have you in her community as well, um, because more the merrier. And we will see you on the next video.